Welcome to Meta Manchester, a podcast about the personal and business philosophy of Mancunians around the world. My name is Tan Lei. In this episode, my friend Lee McKenzie shares some cool stories about the digital nomad, entrepreneur life, and traveling the world, and living in two very unlikely places as far as digital nomads go, Vancouver and Sydney. So let's do it. Here's Lee. All right, I am here now with an old friend, Mr. Lee McKenzie. Tell me, where are you right now? I am in the greater Manchester. I'm in Bury. <laughs> yes, you are. Now, because this podcast, I have featured people from Manchester who are currently living around the world. And in my mind, you still qualify just because you've been <laughs> away for so long. And then you recently moved back. So tell me what year was it when you first left and why did you leave? So it was 2009, I think. Mm. And pretty much the year before, I met my now girlfriend, Megan. She's a Burmese girl and we met in Edinburgh. And then we got together since then and she had the world in her sights. And I was always someone who thought I would want to go and travel and experience all the kind of adventures you'd see in movies. And I had a friend Mm. who did it. And I just, I kind of felt like I was telling his stories all the time but this was my opportunity to start telling my own instead and I felt like as scary as it was I just had to do it so we set our sights on Vancouver Mm. we went there for two years then we went to Australia for a few months then Thailand six months then Spain three months back to UK for a little while and eventually back into uh, Australia for seven years or something I got Mm. my my Australian visa in Thailand which was difficult to attain in, you know, not speaking the language and things, but finally got it and then stayed there for seven years until last year, not the year <laughs> before last. And we decided to come back, originally planning on going to the EU to live over there for a while, but then everything broke up, Brexit happened. <laughs> we came to the UK, my friends and family here, so that's that's good. And uh, giving us a chance to give it another second, chance and see if we can make a little go of something here and uh, that brings us to today really so you came right back into covid <laughs> you came back and COVID. <laughs> immediately yeah immediately yeah by the time we got ourselves a place it was like okay stay indoors wow. so we've literally only recently had a chance to explore our, our new life here wow. but yeah we're good. we're good all right so Take me back to 2009. Why did you choose Vancouver, first of all? Well, first of all, um, I knew that Megan had a good friend she met in London a few years before, and he lived in Vancouver Island. So her visa was coming up to the end of her stay, and she was thinking that that would be a possibility of somewhere to go for. And uh, she mentioned it to me. And so I started researching, as you do, trying to get a feel for it, and found out it was, like, voted number one most livable country in the world or yep. the top five at least yep. for quite a few years so i thought okay this is it this is what a better place to go as your first sort of excursion it was um 
English speaking, so that would have mm. been helpful for um, you know a new a new traveler. Plus, she knew somebody there. Plus, I mean, just just why not? It never would have crossed my mind otherwise. But it's those things that pop up sometimes that you don't come from your own brain, and you think, ah, I never would have thought about that. But now it's here. What are you gonna do? You're gonna stick to the same old decisions you normally make, or you're gonna try something new. <laughs> and I honestly think that that's the road. That's the split where you come up against something that scares you. But you know you want it, but you've just got to figure out: does it matter enough for you to, you know, take that leap? Does the fear of it become less than your curiosity about finding out, so you can actually take that step? And that's ultimately what happened. We, I sold my car, sold my motorbike. I only had maybe three thousand pounds on me, mm. which, when I told my boss when I was quitting, which is which is what I did. He laughed at me when I told him how much money I had. Mm. He pretty much presumed I'd be done in six months. Mm. I'd be back. Um, so that, if anything, that was fire to go, you know what, this is going to happen whether I have to eat noodles every day to make it work or not, I'm going to make it work. And it's interesting. Eating noodles every day in Thailand. Anyway. Well, I was going to say, if you have three grand, wouldn't it mm. have made more sense to head to Asia? Because that's where the digital nomad community... I mean, 3,000 will last you a while, but Vancouver is not yeah. known to be the cheapest place in the world. Here's the thing about that. At the time, Asia was not even on most... most. Well, I won't say most people's, but uh, my radar at least. Yeah. I mean, I in 2009 was the pivotal moment when I came across the idea of what people call being a digital nomad. There wasn't even a term for it yep, yep, yep. back when I learned about it. I just learned about marketing and websites and mm. this and that, and people can travel with a laptop, and I was like, wow, mm. that laptop lifestyle, that was, before it was what it is now, I mean, you've just got to see YouTube mm. now, and you just drown, drown in this. But back then, barely anybody was, yep. was uh, interested in this. There was barely any Wi-Fi in Asia. Anyway, mm, um, good point. we came across a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. Yes. And he, Tim Ferriss. The book that started it all. <laughs> yeah. He mentioned about his uh, mini retirements to places and the idea of geo-arbitrage, you know, earning a strong currency, spending it in a place that costs less. Um, having oh, you a chose Vancouver. Place gives you freedom. We chose Vancouver before we were... We had this idea in our head of what ah, the future held. That okay. was like our base camp. Okay, okay. We went there. We went there, and now we're free. Okay, from here, what do we do? Right. Where do we go? Understood. That was where we became ourselves. Did you read Four Hour Fresh? Did you read Four Hour Work Week before or after you left? Did you we read literally it? landed in in the JFK airport before we transitioned to Bermuda for a few weeks, and in that airport, I picked up the book there and then. <laughs> And then did you know about it or did you randomly day. pick it up? I'm not sure to be honest. I, th I had a book already with me called Portable Empire by, he's a very well-known guy now in that industry, but that was our first link into it. And I saw this and I was like, no way I've mm. heard about this. I'm sure of it. Mm, mm. So I bought it and we transitioned to the Muda, started reading it. I bought oh, this little bracelet that, that said, once his bracelet off it reveals your destiny i thought oh that's a fun little thing <laughs> and then i was in the ocean the next day and it broke and i just looked up across horseshoe bay i was like 
wow, this is my life. <laughs> and I was fulfilled with that, like, I'm going to make it work. This has got to happen. So, um, yeah, I became freelance as a graphic designer mm. and literally started working on my little entrepreneurial venture in 2010, mm. I think. So that was the, the birth of this whole lifestyle, lifestyle of freedom and independence and dreaming and traveling. That's pretty much awesome. base awesome. camp. Awesome. You yeah. are you are a total inspiration to me, man. And the only thing, yeah, the only reason I c- couldn't follow the same path was because of kids. But but this this part might get edited out. But yeah, you're a total <laughs> in- inspiration to me. I remember it. Uh, thank you. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of people who inspired me. Like I said before, my friend was doing this, mm. not the the uh, laptop working for yourself thing, but he was traveling South America and all sorts and I was just so so inspired by him and I just felt I felt weird like a traitor to myself I kept telling people his stories super excited for him and I, I was like what is it what why do I feel this weirdness about me retelling these stories because I felt like I belonged in them and I didn't at that point and that was the tension inside me that it started growing something mm. like a an awareness for an opportunity awareness for I don't know Know what it was but i became hungry for it at that point mm. and um yeah so he was on my radar for quite a few years before and then somehow things you know how things align when you're focused on something you keep it forefront in your mind so mm. you you see opportunities that benefit that yep and then you're able to act on it whereas if you have no clue you don't really know what matters to you it's more difficult yep. to notice the things yeah, yeah it's important to just have a general idea of where you want to mm. go then you know the the universe will show you you'll start noticing specific tactics if you have a general strategy mm. i literally came up with a plan not a plan i'd say it's like a little formula to achieve. <laughs> i called it my little formula to achieve anything and i when i first started this journey i was so amped up about how all these decisions came to be I thought, okay, this is the formula. It's literally three steps. Mm. The first step is decide what it is that you want. Yep. And that sounds simple, but it's so hard. Yep. So hard. Yep. Number two, make sure every decision that you make from now on serves that purpose. So if if it requires a lot of money, then you need to be more aware of your finances and find ways to make more. Mm. And then step three is literally take action as much as you can every single day towards getting there. And it's those three steps that sound so simple, but they literally move mountains. And that's kind of what I felt in simplistic terms is what I did. Figured out what I want, allocating the decisions needed to get there and keep taking action every single day. And eventually things move towards that direction. Mm. And that's that's my little gold golden formula Mm. no i love it i love it i love the reason i love it is because my motto which is the name of my blog which i can plug because this is my podcast (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah the name of my blog is noticing the obvious noticing the obvious.com that's going to be the thing that i build because what you just said is extremely obvious not many of us are able to notice it. Mm. it just the thing like exactly, yeah. define where you want to go, like name it, actually 
explicitly articulate、mm. it, verbalize it, say it out loud, write it down, like make it make it the thing you want to do. Most people don't don't even get past that first step. Yes, I mean, there's so many options and things out there. It's so daunting when you have to do what you just said and decide which thing matters most. But especially in in a world、step. like today, where you don't、oh, so、you don't want to commit to anything because there's so many、no. options because everything looks good. So it's like, why would I want to、yes. commit to this when I can also be doing this? That's the that's torturous. That whole、Isn't、experience、it? of, I mean, I've, I've been through it my, myself in many different kind of ways, but it's just this weird tension between wanting it to be perfect and right, and at the same time knowing that never is this, but at the same time not wanting to waste your effort and your life doing the wrong thing, and that all comes together in like a whirlpool of indecision, and it can literally paralyze. But yes. Needless to say, that's that's what I'm.、Uh, that's exactly what I can relate to with what you just said there. There's so much chaos, and you want so much to make order of it. But do you think、not. it's too simplistic to look at it as just a matter of remembering and forgetting? Because a lot of us just forget what it is、uh, that we're supposed to do. Is it that there's simple? There's so much, especially like you, you. I don't think. I think it's that simple. If you actually want. To take something practical from it, like if you decide it matters to you, and, and there's so much being thrown at you these days, depending on your circumstances online and how exposed you are to media, there's so much to think about that if you find the important things, and in a moment of clarity you decide, okay, this is important. If you have a word or something that invokes a feeling or Something that basically communicates to you that this matters a lot. If that's what it takes for you to take it seriously and to keep hold of it, then I believe that's that's a great way to do it. Because you will get knocked off your perch. All of us get knocked off our perch. But for example, this is a this relates to meditation. Now, for me, a lot of personal things I was hoping I would experience and 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 get better at dealing with, underneath the surface. I found that a consistent practice of meditation would help with a lot of these things. So rather than worrying about A, B, C, D, you know, reducing anxiety and doing this and doing this, how about just focus on meditation, and then all of the rest of it will be easier、mm. or handled better, rather than trying to manage twenty different things. Find that big rock underneath them all that will make them、uh, easier. Are non-existent and just focus on that, and maybe your theory of the one word could really help with those key anchors in life. But you know, you, maybe three to five key words. Sure, but you describe it as knocked off your perch. The reason I see it as forgetting is because you've defined it. You've defined this is what I want to do, and then something comes and distracts you. So some people might. Describe that as oh I got distracted. Some people might describe that as oh I got knocked off my perch. I describe it as I forgot. I forgot that I committed <laughs> to this. Like seriously, it's that for me that helps because it's like if you think about it. Let's let's just use a concrete example. I don't know smoking. Let's say people you know you want to quit、okay. smoking. Okay, today I decide this is what I'll do no matter what. 
I will quit smoking. And tomorrow, three days later, I smoke. I would describe that、mm, maybe that's a、okay. bad example because it's a physical addiction, but it's still. I get what you're saying. Though, I forgot that、part. I made the commitment. Whereas, if I could remember、yeah. the exact, if I could bring myself back to the exact moment where I made that commitment, then I would remember. <laughs> then I wouldn't do it. So, is this where your one word would come in to help you remember the strength of that? Commitment. No, the the is the word is、doing? just remember. Just forget and remember. I think humans, the the problem for humans, it's forgetting. It's not that. Whereas the opposite is not knowing. So the reason I do stupid things, it's not because I don't know. It's because I forgot. I forgot that I'm. I like the fact that you say forget though, because it makes it sound innocent. Like yeah, you just forgot. You know what's important. Yeah. But it's less dramatic than my example of knocked off your perch. That sounds like you're falling down and it's tumbling. You got to get back up. That's the whole cinematic word language using. But forgot sounds so easy to get back up from. I think yeah, because I, think I like that better. With forgot, I like there's a built-in solution, which is remember, which is then reminders, reminders, reminders. Which is because that's why the reason I'm bringing this up is because your third step, you said do something every day. Towards、yeah. your goal, how are you going to remember? You have to remind yourself every day you, you, to get into that habit. <laughs> Once you get into that habit, then you, right. But that's where it begins. That's the, the key is building habits. And how do you build habits through repetition? Why? Because、mm. you forget. Otherwise, you just forget. It's that simple. <laughs> well, here's a thing. Here's a counterpoint for the forget、okay. situation. Okay, tell me. If it, if it matters that much for you, you'll never forget it. I know I've heard that. Enough, That's the most popular. The wrong thing. That's the most popular counterpoint. But I've met people. I've met people. Like I didn't forget that I was going to Vancouver. Forget that I'm going to live somewhere. Every day I was like so impassioned to just. It was in my awareness constantly.、Mm. So I think if it's not. Yeah, you're not going to forget that. But you're going to forget a... what you're trying to do in life. You're going to forget that. Because yeah, I think a lot. I think everything has different levels of importance, and I think maybe there's a lot that passes by that you did. No, here's the thing:、important. we don't forget specific actions. Like tomorrow, seven a.m., I need to get up and catch the plane to Vancouver. You're not going to forget that because that's a specific, concrete action. We are going to forget、right. abstract, long-term、yeah. life goals. Believe it, we're going to forget that, and it's. Unless you clearly define a life goal, if you、yeah. say it out loud multiple times, the random person on the street—if you grab them and ask, "What's your life goal?" They either they've either forgotten it or they've never defined it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. A non-specific thought is just noise; like it's easily passed. Even if it's important to you, even if it's important to you, you're going to forget it because it's an abstract, non-specific. Yeah, and you need those. You, but like you said, that was your first step. Out, out of your three steps, your first step was to define your the thing you want. Well, that's forgettable.、Um, that's the exact thing that you're going to forget, unless you really work hard to remember it. That's what that's I'm saying. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, the level of importance and the level of specific specificity. Specificity. <laughs> how specific? 
how specific it is. It all plays into the same thing. Yeah, if you're smart and you're going to create reminders, you're going to build habits and you're going to build exactly. something but, in the way. But why? Because we forget. It. Like, that's what we do. We forget. Also, you've done hard, hardcore research. In I have. I've, this side of it. <laughs> I, I've looked at it. That's, that's the problem that humanity needs to overcome. <laughs> it's that simple. I don't think we need to remember everything either. That's no, a no, counterpoint. No. I don't think there's that many things are important. Some things you do because... No, no, no. but yeah, I'm not talking about remembering. I'm talking about forgetting. I'm talking about forgetting is the thing we do as a standard. That's the base level. We forget. Like breathing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We breathe, we eat, we shit, and we forget. <laughs> yeah, that's a human experience right, right. there. Which summarized. means the forgetting is standard, which means the things you want to do in life it's about remembering them, building little tools to help you remember them. Yeah, I guess so. I th I'm not really a fan of managing thousands of things that are all vying for importance. Like in my head, there's only a very core. Well, core I think few you naturally values, core few directions. you have less of that problem than me then, because I have a problem of. You have forgetting. five podcasts. That that alone is scaring <laughs> the crap out of you. How do you manage that? So, yeah, maybe we're both coming from different places. I come from a place where I just try to manage so many things and I forget, which means remembering is a big thing for me. Whereas you've all... Yeah, you are. Go, 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 go. You've already overcome that by reducing the amount of shit you do, which is probably what I should be doing. <laughs> I, I literally started off thinking that, okay, once I have products to ship, they're going to be fulfilled by a, a warehouse, not me. I'm going to be the bottleneck if I get involved and have to package every order and ship it out. Like I, I started thinking long term, I don't want to be bogged down in stuff that I don't care about. Yep. I mean, I care about the overall goal of things and, and what gets paid attention to. But if I'm doing too much of the things I don't like, I'm going to lose my fire for not do, for doing the thing I do like, so I need to be very careful of that. Love it. Gold dust that we, I believe we only have a finite amount oh, of so true. each day. So true. All right. So if you're wasted doing the stuff that needs to happen, you're in a problem. All right. Let's uh, get back to the journey. So Vancouver. The journey. How was it? Did it compare? How did it compare to your expectations in terms of it being the highest standard of living in the world, etc. Well, I didn't actually read too much into what that would mean. I just took it as, okay, things are going to be manageable. You know, I'm not going to be victim to like extreme poverty and crime and as soon as I step off the flight. So I just, I saw that as like level, level zero. Like everything's mm -hmm. going to be fine. Mm -hmm. It's just up from that point onwards. What do you, what do you do to go upwards? Um, I was very, very happy when I got there. Mm -hmm. Just every, every new rule every new custom that was so different it's just so refreshing to see and it makes you think oh we do i'm not used to this happening i wonder why they do this and it's just it just opens your mind right up i mean you know you've been to all sorts of places it just it just opens your mind up mm. and uh, that's what it did i just loved it the air was so fresh yeah so never breathed as easily air. yeah I mean, I have I had asthma when I was young. I'm not sure if I've grew up properly, but yeah, when I got to Vancouver, man, that air—I mm. never breathed until I got to Vancouver. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm with you. Although um, I, I think so, yeah, that that was one of many perks. Yeah. How long did the three grand last you? And what did you do after um, the money I mean, ran me, out? 
Okay. First thing we did when we got there, we went to a hostel, as you, as you typical staying mm. round. We went to a hospital. We got some long-term rates booked. So long-term rates help you get that, you know, cheaper um, security. Um, what happened then? We literally had a shared kitchen. We were making meals out of every day. So it, that passed by. I think after a few months, I had actually pre-planned a USA road trip with some friends. Mm. Some friends had already left the UK, and we said, okay, we've got to do this. So soon after going to Vancouver, we went back to Australia for uh, Megan's cousin's wedding What for three months. And then as soon as we came back for three months from Australia, we landed back in Vancouver. Two weeks later, I had to leave to the USA. And so a lot of the money was spent going back and forth <laughs> on flights and stuff like that. So by the time we... I came back from the USA road trip literally a week before. I got a call from Megan mid-trip saying that she just got the job at some um, mining mining company, this really high-end high company mm. in Vancouver. So that literally solved our money worries. That's the thing the about girls. When I came back. <laughs> girls usually <laughs> get jobs before we do on, in these situations. I was... I was busy dreaming, thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna design these playing cards, and which is what happened. But within time, when I came back, it started. Yeah, mm. but yeah, she got it locked in, um, and we ended up finding an apartment. And this is another another formula that another thing that my formula played into. We literally we made a, even before leaving Australia on that that three month stint for a cousin's wedding, we drew. I know you've heard about this in The Secret. Lots of people have heard of visualization. We literally drew the apartment we wanted in Vancouver mm. from the side that the sun set to how high it was to what was inside it. And uh, we had all these checkboxes, like it needs to have a pool in the building, a gym. It needs to be extremely high up. Um, it's got to be this and this. And anyway, when I came back from the USA road trip, we scrounged like mad every single day on Craigslist because that was like a main mm. a main listing for apartments in Vancouver and there were some coming up every single day every single day and uh, we went to see a few of them we got beat to the punch by other people and we weren't that convinced about them anyway um, but we felt like we had to get one quick because this other couple going to get it and you know it's not perfect but it'll, I guess it'll do and then finally Megan was at work and I noticed this one that came up and I walked up to the building to go and see. I noticed the address. And I looked at the paper and looked up, thirty-five floors up. Mm. What? Above, above the. Um, I can't remember the name of the hotel now. Anyway, it was on um, Pender Street in Vancouver. It was above the hotel. Residences above a hotel, and obviously the hotel services like a pool and gym and stuff, or sauna, all included. And I thought, oh, my God, that's the place. <laughs> so I told Megan, I called the agent. We got a, a viewing that the next day. I went and checked it out. And it was everything that we wanted on our list, everything. I, I kid you not. So I told her about it. We got the deposit and everything sorted literally the next day. Got the letter of employment to secure it. We were the first ones in. We saw it. Wow. They gave it to us first off, and that was it. We got it locked in, 35 floors up. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... A couple of floors from the penthouse, but we called it penthouse. Mm. It was only a one bedroom, but man, so you that needed. was that was it. You just we went from living in the on Granville Street in the main sort of centre 
in a hostel room for like 50 bucks a night. We moved to another hostel, which was a little bit cheaper for longer term. And then we had all the travel to Australia and back and this and that. Slowly but surely, things slotted in together. But it wasn't without that everyday action, knowing what we wanted, taking action every day. And then we were ready to pounce when the opportunity came. Mm. So Megan got her job, and we didn't have to that money, worry about money for um, a little while after that. So that's pretty much it. Maybe about six months. I think September we moved in, and we went over there in March. Awesome. Something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's it. You've mentioned the products and the cards a couple of times, but, you know, you haven't. So let's let's talk about that. What were you thinking about in terms of income at that point? Because the last time when you left UK, you were talking about graphic design and mm. that digital work. So what mm. was your next plan? So after quitting my job in the UK... I had also been, at the same time, for a year before, been working on my own deck of custom playing cards. Now, these are like, they're just regular playing cards, but designed in a very artful way. And um, there's a magic company that existed that I that started to do this, started to do custom work on these cards that are preferred by magicians called Bicycle. Mm -hmm. Like a standard American deck. But they did a version of them that just tried something in my gut, like, I could do this. I'm a graphic designer. I love magic and cards. Why Why haven't I done this? So I worked on an idea for about a year before we left. And then whilst we was over there, whilst we was in traversing some fro, I started um, contacting the magic company who actually designed these cards. I got a prototype printed in Texas, mm. six decks printed. Um, of my idea. I printed out this sort of presentation booklet of all these ideas I had and how I wanted them to appear. I want them to sell them. I want them to sell them in the shop and we could, you know, split profits or whatever. But I was so passionate and I felt like they would love what I what I gave them. So I just posted off a little package to the CEO after some research on the internet. I found his address. CEO of who? And, um, CEO of a magic company okay, called okay. Illusionist. Yep, yep based in California and um, yeah so after uh, I think maybe a few weeks I got an email back saying hi Lee this is this is Brad from Illusionist I've received your deck I just wanted to say wow <laughs> I'll be in touch and my heart just exploded mm. I was like oh my god like I, I literally had pictures of myself all around <laughs> my room holding holding a contract in my hands from Illusionist with cards in front of me like the whole visualizing thing and uh, obviously, if I didn't work hard to make the thing, to put my effort into it, to send it to him and do all the follow-up, mm. this wouldn't have happened. But anyway, he liked it. And we soon got talking with his general manager, who's still a good friend to this day. Um, and we started work on their first fully custom signature deck. And I was the lead guy for them for the next five years, designing their playing cards. And that was my freelance design business mm. that took off before I transitioned into doing it just for myself. And tell me about building your own brand. Yeah, first I was designing for the Magic Company and they printed all the products, sold them to their customers. And um, there was a lot of buzz at that time about this type of custom work and everybody was loving them. And um, after a while, I, I just felt like everything I was doing, every deck I created, I was, 
or slicing off a little piece of my own heart. Yeah, like for someone else. I felt like I was giving it away. Of course. Um, he was he was paying for it, of course. Yep. Um, and I was happy. I loved the people I was working with, but I felt like if I keep doing this, I'm gonna I'm gonna run out of pieces of my heart to give. And I honestly felt like that's how it felt inside. So I wanted to stop and put effort into making my own. So I literally cut off cold turkey again. <laughs> no money to back me up. It was, I've once heard an expression like being an entrepreneur is like jumping off a cliff and trying to build a parachute on the way down. And that's exactly what it felt like. Yep. It was silly, to be honest. It wasn't the safest transition, but I had no dependence. It was me and Megan. And uh, I felt like I could, I could take the risk. I had to take the risk. My grandfather just passed away. We went back to the UK to see him. And it was at that point that I got contacted asking, where's this work? Where's, where's this work? Have you finished it yet? And I was just I was just looking at life differently at that point. Mm. And um, you took it there was just no time left. To, yeah. So then what? It's time to do stuff for yourself. Okay. So um, I started work on my own deck of cards and then launched it on Kickstarter that same year. And it got funded. It was a success. It got funded. And that was my first... Uh, amazing sort of little personal adventure. Yeah. I had like 800 backers waiting for it, and I was just over the moon, absolutely just ecstatic that I could make this work for myself and, and that people liked what I did. And just tell me uh, a little bit about the name. Where did the name come from? Oh, the Kings and Crooks name. Mm. Yeah, because of my history with uh, magic and deception, and I love all, all that kind of slight fan side of it, I think um, I wanted to get a name that was strong and powerful but also represented the two sides like a, um, the black and white you know the awe and the chaos mm. the magician and the mechanic you know there's the show performer and then there's the shady deceiver the gambler at the table you don't know is there and then the guy who's there to perform so kings and crooks along with the alliteration of the name mm. I felt like was a very strong and, and kind of invoked a certain vision when you thought about it and you could it had a kind of mystery that carried with it, and I felt like that was it. Of course, also after reading some of Seth Godin's books on marketing, I felt like I needed a name that literally wasn't anywhere around on the internet mm. through one search. So all, as you know, all the names are taken, all the dot-coms are taken and held to ransom. Mm. But after my searches, I found literally no results for this combination of words, mm. and I felt that made it all the better. So not only did I love it, and it represents the dark side and the light side, but it's available. <laughs> and of course, that's like gold these days. Yep, I know. Just Everything's taken. I know. Just on that side note where you just said, God, don't you hate that? Just taken and held for ransom. And <laughs> yes. people that aren't even using you spend it. spend so long. Yes. You spend so long coming up with like some good, solid stuff, and then you check it, and it's like, man... You don't need that. But not only that, I mean, like, <laughs> Let it go. I, I understand it if somebody's using it. It's If it's an existing company, fair enough, you, you beat me to it. But when yep. the domain is taken by somebody who's not using it, it's just parked, but you can have it for, yep. you know, eight grand. 12 million. <laughs> okay, yeah. 12 million, why? <laughs> eight grand, come on. Exactly. Anyway, all right, let's... That's painful. Let's move forward. So what made you leave Vancouver? So pretty much the time was up on my visa. As a as a Brit getting my visa over there, I didn't have as much leniency as an Aussie. Megan, Megan's Burmese but Australian, mm. 
but so she got her visa in like three days. I had to wait months and pay thousands wait, to prepay my in-flight. Wait, Australians outflight. are preferred in Canada. Is that what you're saying? She literally applied for her like a, a temporary visa, a temporary work visa, and she got it in three days. <laughs> and I had to pay a company called Bunak. I had to pay, show that I had the funds for the flight there, buy flight oh, returning God. on the outdate, buy insurance, all this stuff. It took months of preparation. And uh, she just got it. That was it. So I'd say that, yeah, Australians are accepted visa-wise a lot more easily around the world than Brits. God damn. And I keep that hearing that, you know, as Brits, we have a, one of the most powerful passports in the world, etc. I think we do have the powerful one, but it seems that Aussies have a more laid-back one. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, come on, come on in. Yeah. Whereas Brits, it's like, you stole artifacts from our culture from thousands of years ago. You're not getting in that easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why Australia after Vancouver? Why Australia? Um, her parent, Megan's parents and family all lived there. They came over from Burma when they were younger. And um, I'd never been there before. And we felt like that could be like a, a new adventure starting over there. We could stay with them for a little while and then find our own feet and then... With that intention, um, we originally went there just for a short while, and then we went to Thailand to do the, the mini retirement thing, like Tim Ferriss, mm. who was popular for quote. We became little digital nomads in Koh Lanta and then North and Thailand in Ta Chiang Mai. And then when we came back, I organized my visa to come back and give Australia a go. Didn't you want to make and, um, Thailand more permanent? I would have done. I would have liked to have done, but... I felt like... Uh, Chiang Mai is Digital Nomad Central. It is now, is it? It's crazy now. But I think back then, I was looking into the legalities of it. And apart from doing border runs every three, every three months, mm. it, seemed, it seemed unreliable. Like if you rented a place long term, and for whatever reason, that, that day they decided to not let you back in, yeah. you're just you're stuck. You're, stuck. Yep. you're paying for a property, probably a house by that point, mm. because... You know, you've committed to staying there. But the border control, they don't they don't care. They've got you realise very quickly that Thailand does what it wants and uh, it's not always in line with what should be done. Mm. So to expect the unexpected, I just didn't think that it was wise to commit long term you wanted because to be of safe. The, the visa difficulties. Yeah. So I mean I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thailand really made an impression on me. And, um, Who doesn't? I kind of wish I did a few more things. Yeah, I mean, it was my first time into what what you'd call a tropical environment, yep. and I'd just been daydreaming of palm trees and oceans before then. But so coming for a from Fallsworth, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then when we was over there, there were people that we saw coming over for holidays. You know, a few days here or a week here, and they they get to know that I'd been there for three months, four months, five months. They'd be like, what? What do you do? How do you? How are you here? Like, and it seemed like it was a. It, I mean, I didn't do anything special. I just decided that that was what I wanted. <laughs> I always be. wondered that. I remember asking you that question back then. Like, how are you doing it? And you, I remember your answer <laughs> being that same answer, which is, I that just decided. <laughs> I just decided. Yeah. A lot of things happen when you when you decide, but when you. I don't know. A lot of people have obligations and hooks into them that they feel bad about uh, turning their back on. But 
that was the beginning of my my life, and I could put the the pieces in place that I wanted to. And I was fortunate enough to be able to to lock them in and and give it a go. Mm. So yeah, it looks like paradise from the outside, but you know, it's available to everybody. It really is. Yeah. Okay. So Australia for seven years, and what made you want to leave and go back to Manchester? So let me think about this. Because I know you were thinking about it for a, a couple of years, maybe. Yeah. So I I launched another another few Kickstarter projects for my cards over there. Um. Oh yeah. I just remembered. There was a project that I did where I, I bit off I bit off way more than I could chew um, because it sounds cheesy but I kind of dreamed a bit too big mm. without without really going as far as I could down there to make sure everything would work out basically there's a supplier that I was banking on who left me high and dry and took all the money from the the startup costs for this new product which was like a metal a metal playing card holder. It looked like a warrior's helmet from from Gladiator, mm. um, and that required you didn't just get cards printed at a printer. You know, uh, you, you had to go and find a metal manufacturer, an engineer. You had to go and get molds made, cast all this kind of work. And the guy who I had lined up after creating a few prototypes, he said, he literally told me. Sorry, business is closed down. Oh. We can't do it anymore. Where was he based? And I was like, "What? Hong Kong?" Mm. And I I found him through another company. Mm. So I went back to that other company. It was a UK-based company, and uh, the guy there, I told him, I said, "Look, he's just he's done this. Is he being real? Is he being serious? He just closed down, or is that just you know to save face? A lot of people, especially in uh, in Asia, they just kind of they kind of." act strangely in order to not tell you the <laughs> truth because they don't want to admit <laughs> something. It's a bizarre situation, sure. but maybe that's what happened. And um, he said, no, he's still in business. I just don't think he wants to continue with your project. And rather than tell you that, he's just said he's closed his business. Oh, God's which to sake. me was a wild thing to say. Why so does he anyway, not want to continue? It was too little an order to be worth investing the time needed to make it for me. Um, and that wasn't a problem when I approached him and I got my um, 3D printed prototype ready and we started the journey, but somehow it became, put me to the back of the queue every single time. It took me weeks to get a response. I was thinking of flying over there myself, but having not been speaking Mandarin, ah, what could I do much? Mm. So I was pulled around for over a year, um, never making much progress, and then he turned around and told me that. So I begged I begged and pleaded with its original um, manufacturer in the UK to advise me or to give me a contact with someone who can get me out of this mess. I've got hundreds of people waiting on this product that have given me money up front, that have paid for it, and I was supposed to deliver it like a year ago. Mm. And um, long story short, I mean, people people like keeping their word. Um, nobody likes going back on their word, but I feel I felt so much so much responsibility a lot of people have been known on kickstarter to just take the money and run and don't bother making a product you've got your money now and they've left people high and dry but this was a business i was building these were people who trusted me and i needed to come through and it took me five years of non-delivery to get this thing made and delivered to people five years and that was 
huge chunk of my time in Australia and it set me back a lot and um, I did what I thought was right even at the, my own even if it, it hurt me and, and and me in that situation we couldn't live really we couldn't move forward and there was, there was things I could have done but it, you know it involved ditching things and like you know starting something else and go and get a job here or there and there were just things that I I wanted this business to work and I wanted to fulfill my promise to people so I went down that that path and it just took a toll on me so um, towards the end of that I was working on a new project and then we just decided that let's go let's go fresh start go to Europe um, continue over there and um, see what's what you know travel to a new place get a new energy about us let go of all the th things that you tied tied to yourself over there and just just let it be mm. and see what happens next and that was brought me to here and I launched my latest deck and that was the most successful thing that had ever come my way on Kickstarter so many people enjoyed the, the product awesome. and it got funded way more than anything else I've ever done and this finally I mean I'm thankful I stuck with it for back. so long because this now yeah, so it's it a happy ending. The brink of extinction. <laughs> so it's a happy ending. It is, but it's a happy beginning. Yes. I've literally, I feel like I've only just started. You know, but, uh, I feel like I've been crawling to start. Good. I'm happy for you. Um, I'm curious Thank why you. UK though, because you said you wanted to go back to Europe. Did you? Why England and we why Manchester? Why home? Europe. Do you consider so, it home? Uh, Europe. Yeah, I do consider it a home. I'd say. I won't consider it home. Ultimately, mm. um, it's it's a home because I mean Megan's family in Australia they they became my family like I have family over there like it's it's very important meaningful connections you can't if I said UK was my entire home it would be disrespecting a lot of the relationships I've had yep. with other people and uh, so yeah I'd say it's a home and why and why did you choose it? Was, the plan was to go to EU, to Europe, somewhere, maybe Portugal, maybe Italy. And um, we thought that into the UK first while well, we get our feet, get settled, mm. and then traversing from there because obviously I have family here. Then we pick where we go. So it's like a, a strong base to start from. Okay. But the closer and closer we got to getting the visa for Megan, which took a, quite a while and a lot of work to get her approved for coming over. Mm. In, the, in the background of all that, the Brexit thing was happening mm. and, Things ties were changing, and so we came over here. By the time we'd found actually somewhere solid to live, January had passed, Brexit had happened, EU relationships changed, COVID hit, <laughs> and we're like, okay, so we're going to be here so, a while. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of like you know when you when you um the key to survival is like who can adapt the best. Absolutely, you know you're going to suffer if you keep trying to up against what you want. So if you can adapt for a while and make the most of this, and then it should work. And in the meantime, I've seen all my family. I've, I'm closer to them, and um, it's good. It's good feelings. I mean, the place, the place, I can take or leave. It's the people always that that matter. It's just so it happens they all live here and not in some nice, cool tropical paradise. Mm. <laughs> Tell me about the first day landing back home. The thought of 
being back <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Do you remember it? How was it? I remember it. We were on the plane coming to land. We'd stopped off. I think it was um, was it Paris for a couple of days, like a little pre. Oh no, sorry, that was a, that was another time we went home for Christmas to the UK. We we went to Thailand for two weeks on our way from Australia to UK. With okay, let's go all out. Go back to Thailand. Let's enjoy. Let's <laughs> splurge a little bit. Get something like all inclusive, and you know, find a good deal on, on a a no-brainer package. So we did that. We had a nice little respite in Thailand, and then plane coming into the UK. Mm-hmm. It was rainy. Into Manchester. It was grey. I looked out the window and looked at Megan, and we didn't say what anything we to doing? each other, but <laughs> we both kind of knew. This is how it's gonna be. But um, if you've been away yeah, for so, so long, wasn't there? Wasn't it a little bit like heartwarming though? Because I've done it. You know, I know that after I've been away for a long time and I come back, even that grey and the rain, it kind of ah, you know, it kind of makes me go, yes, this is home. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I, that happens later for okay. me. Like on first arrival, I'm kind of like. Instantly comparing it to where you just came from, and then like what? Even people I've spoke to recently, some new friends of a friend, they said, "You came from where? Why are you even here? Like, I don't understand why you came back." (laughs) So I can totally understand people's perspectives, but after a while, I mean, the smell of the rain and uh, those moody clouds, and there are certain elements that really strike with me personally that I, I do enjoy about here and a lot of it is because it connects me to my childhood and connects exactly. me to becoming myself in this place and I think those are the things that really spark us up yeah but mostly everything else like mm, I just carry I'm not really too bothered either way I can appreciate things there must be a, a new perspective there must be some things that you missed that you're really happy to see now that you're back to be honest, because we've been here for a year or a year and a half now or something, anything that was new and refreshing is long gone. <laughs> like, I can't really bring it to mind. I'm not I'm not being disrespectful you, you, to the UK. Yes. Or this perspective of landing and, you know, coming from somewhere else and, and finally being back, like, the freshness of it is totally gone. So what I'm saying now might not be exactly how I felt. But, sure. Um. I mean, intellectually, I'm thinking about it now, and <laughs> this is just my current Go thoughts. On. So things have kind of things have just blended in now, and you know, being exposed to British culture and life, and it's just as it always was, really. So, do you officially? Um, so you you've blended back in. Do you feel like you're a Mancunian again? Nah, I've never. I never saw my. I'm always from Manchester. Obviously, a born here, but. I don't ever consider myself just something sure. I don't like. But don't you've like um, it doesn't feel right. But you've you've lost the. What I mean is when you just move back. I know for me now because mm. I haven't lived in Manchester for over ten years now. For yeah, me, whenever time. I go back, I feel like a foreigner. And you've lost that. <laughs> what I mean is like I actually don't know. I don't know things. I don't know how things work. Like I forgot how this works ah so you've yes, lost you that. just rung a bell go on no you just rung, rung a bell for me it did take a while like 
I never lived here on my own before. Ah. I, I was always like, you know, with my mom or something because it was young. I was younger back Good then. Good point. So how was But, that so now, being, now, yeah, your own man in Manchester? This is the first time as an as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, cancel what? Cancel tax? You've got to consider that with, what? On top of your rent, huh? <laughs> like all these new things and my credit, my credit had dropped to nothing because I've been away. No, none of the dots joined up, so I had to start from scratch on like some ridiculously high interest credit oh, card no. before I could even get eligible to be in somewhere. So all of these things that did you not keep a UK credit matter. card while you were away? I never had one. Okay, never had one to begin with. Otherwise, yeah, things would have been different. But never had one to begin with. So I started building it from scratch, and after two years, I'm at a reasonable level. But it's all that bullshit, like. Mm, to fit into this society, you've got to do this and do that because that's what we do. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't matter really. But now I need to be someone who lives here. All of these, you know, things, the infrastructure in place, it's all like, that's just how it works. You just get on board if you want to join in. So because I hadn't even been on board before, being an adult here, had all these uh, roots connected in society, it was all new to me. So that was new. And getting used to how it all works was new. Mm. So in a way, it is like being new again because I'm living. I'm living as independent, quote unquote, grown up mm. <laughs> in in Manchester. Mm. Um, so that's a new perspective on it. But I do, I do kind of feel like I've got these weird invisible ties that just shoot up across the sky to another location. Like I still feel parts of me are connected to other parts. Mm. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, I've not got a roof over me here. I'm not locked into these aisles, and I just feel I can live here a bit more freer because of that. I feel like you can tend to feel locked in here when the skies are grey and I don't know. You face Monday morning, you know, in your job you don't like. I mean, a lot of the life I've kind of created has allowed me to feel freer, and I think that helps me balance. Mm. things now um, whereas before I'd feel probably a lot more locked in if I hadn't took those steps to free free myself in, in the ways that I have so I kind of work when I want each day, go where you want all you've got to worry about is you know feeding yourself and enjoying life and ultimately you know that's that's alright, that's good mm. I think that's part of having a balanced and, in, and fulfilling life uh, so yeah I feel like I'm more better equipped after all those experiences to live as a, a more comfortable human being back here okay so hmm. just in closing since you've been back for a year and a half now we've mentioned the council tax I want you to give me something positive what's the best thing Give me one thing that you've loved about being back in Manchester. Okay. About this, the place itself? Yeah, just just the best thing about being back in Manchester. There's, you know... <laughs> Come on. You... <laughs> this is not on purpose. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, trying to be, I'm trying to be truthful. Best thing about being in Manchester is that I am very close to people I care a lot about. And the rain smells good. That's interesting. The rain smells good. 
the rain smells good and my brain connects it to memories that also feel good so therefore full circle being back is good <laughs> awesome i mean have you done much of much going out pubs restaurants you know no not, so you haven't like really said, experienced it since you've been back properly you've just been experiencing no covid version of manchester yeah exactly oh. i mean we've been to, been to a few places with some friends and stuff and uh, so much change so many new buildings so many new restaurants like i have no idea these names I how they popped yeah. up but it's good to see growing and if anything it feels alive and creative which i always like i always like the aliveness of a place yeah manchester's and, always uh, been that it's always been a lively city there's always something going on and that's one thing i miss the mm. most and i can't wait to experience again one day yeah i mean like you said i think that question would have been great had we not just experienced two years of of uh, covid or whatever it's been one year or something but yeah my experience has been pretty limited because of that i so bet i bet it's probably been... not probably not a great response for you on the, no on no the no podcast. it's good i mean it, it it's understandable you've been away for so long and as soon as you come back you go into this crap so yeah it's not in spite of that we've enjoyed our own time and you know it's uh well imagine it's been what it's been imagine how much more you'd enjoy it without this crap <laughs> yeah maybe i'm kind of kind of uh, liking it <laughs> I like that there's not that many people around okay. I like that you know I feel like yeah sometimes I feel like I don't know you know like I don't know if you feel the same way but you know those end of the world movies yeah. and you think oh wow a certain part you thinks wouldn't it be cool if something exciting happened like you don't want the world to obviously end but you want some kind of exciting <laughs> thing to happen and to literally go outside when it should be crazy busy and see it deserted i mean that's a little bit exciting that's a little bit like something oh. different as long as you're safe yeah as long as you're safe and you everyone's feeling good and you just i don't know i guess that's a positive you can take out of it we've never done this before mm. it's a new experience yeah a new experience always gives us new skills yeah a new way of seeing things that you would not have otherwise seen hence the title of your blog is it podcast? noticing the obvious.com yes here we go we circle right back to it all right cool lee mac thank you so much for the conversation man thank you Tan. i hope it didn't drone on too much but i appreciate talking with you it's been so long <laughs> thank you for listening Please visit metamanchester.com for more episodes. My name is Tan Lei. Join me again next time.